What's at the heart of building a family business legacy? Our guest today is Thomasina H. Williams, founder and principal consultant of Sankofa Legacy Advisors. Join us for episode 263 of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Welcome, everyone. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right along with me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, everybody. It's great to join you again for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose here is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas to help visionary leaders accelerate themselves, and of course, their companies, to their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. Now, Pam, it's no secret that family businesses account for a substantial portion of the U.S. economy. Mm Mm-hmm. This includes products and services, as well as the many, many jobs they create. We need family businesses to succeed and create a lasting legacy to help our country and the world. Absolutely. So many of us are familiar with family businesses that have lasted and provided value over many generations. Sure, we use some of their products. <laughs> That's right. Every day. That's right. But many of us have also seen family businesses that have had great potential and couldn't make it past the first generation. Yeah. We've seen that it takes a special commitment to both the business and to the health of the family relationships to create that lasting legacy so you have multiple generations. That's right. That's why we're glad to be speaking today with Thomasina H. Williams, the founder and principal consultant of Sankofa Legacy Advisors. She's described by her clients as a gift whose work with them has proven invaluable in helping them navigate the complexities of combining family and business. Other clients refer to her as their high beams, lighting the way and guiding them along the sometimes uncomfortable path of generational transitions. Still other clients will tell you that working with her to cultivate what she refers to as the family side of family enterprise and family wealth is far more impactful than talking to a therapist. Uh Thomasina combines her decades of experience as an award-winning lawyer and nationally recognized philanthropy strategist to help families who own large businesses or significant financial wealth build transgenerational legacies of success. She does this by helping them focus on their most precious asset, who they are individually and collectively as a family. She's a member of a cadre of vetted family advisors for a family office network that's part of the financial giant Charles Schwab. She was also Wells Fargo Private Bank's first in-house family dynamics consultant. She's been profiled on NASDAQ and Thrive Global and has written for Enterprising Women Magazine and the National Association of Women Business Owners, among others. The name of her company, Sankofa, is a wisdom principle that epitomizes the concept of stewardship, which is the foundation of her work with families and their quest to build and sustain thriving enterprises for generations. 
You can read much more about Thomasina's background by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 263, and scrolling down to the bio link in resources. Thomasina, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you so much, Pam and Scott. I'm delighted to be here. Well, we're so glad you are because this is a huge topic. Yes, it is. We're going to get to what is at the heart of building a family business legacy. Not an easy thing. Not an easy thing at all. It's difficult, challenging enough to build a connected and capable family and also difficult to build a successful, thriving business. Marry the two of those, and the complexities are multiplied. Oh, yeah. Yes. So everybody comes from a turning point. And uh, in our previous conversations with you, you've shared that you've had quite a turning point to be doing this work. Can you tell us briefly about that? I did indeed. Uh, I happened to be uh, doing some research, came across a study which talked about how very sophisticated ultra high network families often use philanthropy, philanthropy as a strategic tool to strengthen their family as much as for whatever the philanthropic cause might be. So that while we might see the Pam and Scott Harper wing of the local hospital, Pam and Scott Harper would have used that opportunity to teach their family really how to work together more effectively, Uh how to make decisions together. You know, most of us uh, who are adults really don't have decisions that we make with our adult siblings. We've not done a whole lot. Maybe it's figuring out where to go for dinner. But if you have significant assets, you don't want your heirs to be learning how to manage those assets together for the very first time when they're collecting their inheritance. And philanthropy gives families an opportunity to work through and better understand their core values, what really resonates and are priorities for each person when there are differences of opinion. How do you decide if you want to give to the medical profession or or something involving health? Is it to a hospital wing? Is it to a disease? So families use philanthropy to help them focus on their shared values, figure out how to work together to make decisions. And also there's an aspect of it that involves managing money. If you have a foundation, it's also about basically how do I manage a business even though that business's focus isn't making money. So, Thomasina, you've spoken about legacy mm-hmm. and preserving wealth. There's also preserving the legacy of the business, and you have personal experience on that. So tell us a little bit about that and how that weaves into what you do with family businesses. The journey for me started with seeing this use of philanthropy by ultra-high net worth families, And I was impressed by the high degree of intentionality and purposefulness. So I started researching more and came across a proverb that's known as shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. There are some iteration of it in virtually every part of the planet. And essentially what it means is that the way that we have built wealth, at least historically, before stock options, is that someone either literally or metaphorically rolled up their shirt sleeves and got to work building a very successful business. 
The second mm-hmm. generation grows up in a very comfortable lifestyle. If the family has not been very intentional in keeping alive the family history about what where they come from, what yeah. it took to get them to where they are today, and also inculcating those values and that entrepreneurial spirit. If the family's not very intentional about doing that, by the end of the third generation, the shirt sleeves, the shirt sleeves proverb says the family's going to be back to shirt sleeves and they're going to lose that wealth. And I had an epiphany. I was like, oh, my God, you mean it wasn't just my family that couldn't hold it together, that this is a phenomena that most families who have successful businesses experience And moreover, that there is a profession, that there are people who can help families either avoid that fate in the first instance or course correct. And once I learned that, I was all in on this is what I want to devote the rest of my actual professional life and frankly, a personal pursuit for me to help my family course correct. Okay, so you have a family history that drove that home to you. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, my grandparents grew up in the segregated South. In the 1930s and 1940s, they accumulated significant land holdings. They were orange groves, acres of citrus groves in Central Florida, not that far from Disney World. And anybody who knows the history of of Central Florida, basically it was only orange groves before Disney came. My grandfather could not read and he could not write. I remember as a child, literally uh, witnessing him mark his name with an X on legal documents. But he and my grandmother had this innate entrepreneurial sense and they were a formidable pair. My grandmother, we're not sure we think she got to the third grade, uh, but somehow, again, they had this innate entrepreneurial sense and were very hard workers. So they built this significant citrus business. I remember as a child and in my grandparents' world, girls did not climb orange trees to pick oranges. But my three younger brothers and my cousins all worked in the orange groves and made extra money. And my grandfather insisted that if they worked and produced like the workers for whom that was their full-time job, he paid them the same. And so this, again, inculcating the values of hard work, of equity, of building something was something that was just part of the fabric of how I grew up. So... Legacy is a term that comes up in many contexts. What does legacy mean to you, especially in the context of a family business then? Yes. So most people think about legacy as what we leave, the material possessions we leave once we die. And that is certainly part of legacy. But for me, the most important, the most precious asset that we all have is who we are and not what we own. And from my perspective, legacy is about how you walk in the world, how you treat people, how you show up. So again, in my case, my grandparents had this significant wealth in the 30s and 40s. They had eight children, one of whom predeceased them and had two kids. So there were nine people to whom they left their assets. My grandparents didn't believe in wills though very old fashioned. So it was all jointly owned. 
And honestly, even though my grandparents raised their kids to be God-fearing people, they just didn't get along and didn't know how to make those decisions to manage those assets together. And that's how it is that my family ended up losing the financial wealth. But again, legacy is about who you are. So my grandparents instilled in us a, a work ethic, a strong faith, and an ability to figure out a way forward, even if that way forward doesn't look like what you had hoped it would look like. So that qualitative side, the values piece, the work ethic, all of those pieces are very much a part of my grandparents' legacy to me and why I care so much about the work that I do. I say that we will all leave a legacy, every single person. The question is, is it going to be a legacy that we're going to be proud of and that we're going to be purposeful in building so that it is by design and not by default? And if we want to make sure that that's by design and that the legacy is carried forward into future generations, quantitative financial assets, as well as qualitative relationships, values, we have to be very purposeful about that. And we do that day today in the here and the now. It's not just something that's left behind. We are building that. We're creating that every single day. Okay. So it sounds like this is really your core belief, you know, the purposeful building. Is that right? Absolutely. I believe in the concept of stewardship. The name of my firm is Sankofa. Sankofa is a mythical bird from the Akan people of Western Africa, and it's depicted with its feet facing forward. It has a very long neck and the bird's head is turned backwards. And in its mouth, in its beak is an egg. Yeah, you have a picture of that on your website. Yes, yes, I do. Yes. What that symbolizes for me is the concept of stewardship, that here we are firmly planted in the realities, the challenges, the opportunities of today, but we're also looking back to honor and draw lessons from the past while we give birth to new possibilities in the future. And the families that I'm privileged to work with, that is the essence of what they're seeking to do, to honor those who come before them, to think about those who come after them, but also dealing with the realities of what they need and the challenges and the opportunities before them in the here and the now. Okay, well, there's a lot more to this, and we're going to tackle it in the next section. And right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dig deeper with Thomasina H. Williams, founder and principal consultant of Sankofa Legacy Advisors, about what's at the heart of building a family business legacy. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. As always, we focus on enabling visionary CEOs and C-suite leaders to accelerate the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing innovation, transformation, and long-lasting growth. We're excited to announce that as of February 2023, Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper entered its ninth year of episodes. Yay! Yeah. 
and we're proud that we've received top podcast recognition in 2022. Now, this year, we're having more conversations with CEOs and thought leaders like Thomasina, who are changing the face of business, and we'll feature more of our own Quick Take episodes as well. Now, if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, spread the good word, become a recommender. Just open up Growth Igniters Radio on whatever podcast app you use, write a review, and feel free to share links to your favorite episodes, maybe this one, in your social media. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Thomasina H. Williams, founder and principal consultant of Sankofa Legacy Advisors. And we're speaking about the keys to building a lasting family business legacy, especially what's at the heart of it. Thomasina, tell us how people can find out more about you, Keynote, your services, and the organizations you're involved with. The easiest way to get more information about me is simply through my website, develop familyleaders.com. Very easy to remember, developfamilyleaders.com. And folks are also welcome to reach out to connect via LinkedIn. Thomasina H. Williams is the way to find me on LinkedIn. I'm privileged to serve on the board of a couple of organizations, uh, the advisory board of an organization called the Purposeful Planning Institute. Uh, You can find that at PurposefulPlanningInstitute.com. It is a learning community of multidisciplinary professionals who work with families who either own significant businesses or other shared wealth. Another organization on whose board I serve, another private company, I'm on the fiduciary board of an organization called SIY Global. SIY Global started as a leadership development, mindfulness, self-awareness program inside of Google a number of years ago, spun out of Google into a nonprofit, and that nonprofit a couple of years ago created a for-profit. And among the work that it does is global uh, leadership development training programs, helping people really bring more of their whole selves and be more productive at work. And of course, you can find out more information and links for this episode in addition to going to Thomasina's website by also going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 263, and scrolling down to resources. So in the first segment, we started to explore what's at the heart of building a lasting family business legacy. Is there something else that tells us more about this belief that you have? Absolutely, Pam. Our society so focuses on the material assets and building resources, which we absolutely must do. The conventional wisdom is that if you want to build a successful business and pass that on to to future generations, you need to maximize your financial returns on your investment, you need to minimize your taxes, and that you want to capitalize on estate planning and whatever legal protections there are. Again, I absolutely subscribe to that. You must do that. However, that focuses primarily on the business side of family business, on the asset side. We tend to neglect the family side of family business. And we forget as a society that had it not been for someone investing in the human capital in the first place, there would never be any financial capital. Someone had an idea 
about a business. They took a risk, in many cases, significant risk, and went all in on developing that business. And we tend, for whatever reasons, to forget about the need to continue investing in the family human capital, the other dimensions of capital, if we want that legacy to continue in whatever form. It might be a business that's the business that started, the what we refer to as the legacy business. It could be other businesses that the family builds along the way, or in many cases, families sell the business, and then their business becomes managing their wealth. Either way, all of that requires an investment in human capital. While we think about capital as being only about financial capital, it's actually multidimensional if you think about it. We've got mm-hmm, human right. capital. There's sure. intellectual capital that goes with the human piece, spiritual capital, which for some people may be about their religious faith, but simply can be about your core values and what you believe that drives you. It has nothing to do with religion. One of the most important capitals that I encourage my clients to think about that we tend to take for granted is time capital. It's the most important non-renewable asset that we have is how we're spending our time. Again, how intentional we're being in building our business and investing in our families like we invest in our business so that that family, as Pam pointed out at the beginning, if heaven forbid the economy goes to heck in a handbasket and the business is, is in shreds, If you have a connected and capable family, you can not only rebuild that business, you can exceed wherever you were before. But the money in and of itself is not going to give you the kind of family relationships and the family connections that most people hold dear and is why they're working so hard in the first place. Okay, so let's build on that, because in previous conversations we've had with you, Thomasina, you've spoken about how what you called default family dynamics can repeat across generations and really impact a family's legacy for good or not so good. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Um, You know, I have clients who candidly don't like the term family dynamics, even though the word dynamic simply means change, which families are constantly changing as people grow and evolve, as the business grows and evolve. Uh But in our society, unfortunately, people oftentimes translate that as family dysfunction. Ah, that's interesting. It is very interesting and uh, a little disconcerting, candidly. Because if you think about it, in a non-family-owned business context, we are all in to invest in leadership development and building the potential of individual contributors. People will say that if you're not investing in your employees, you're not going to be in business very long, regardless of what your business is. And in a non-family-owned business context, we are constantly investing in team building so that all these individuals are aligned around a shared purpose, moving in the same direction. Yet when it comes to talking about families and families in business, for some reason, our society wants to attribute some sort of pathology if somebody needs some support and some help. If it was an employee in a non-family business company who needed support, you would say, okay, let's get that person a coach. You would say, let's send them to certain classes and trainings, perhaps. Let's put together a professional development plan for them. It would 
be commonplace to simply go into how, what, what can we do to support this person and help to build their potential. That development piece is so important. Frequently, I have come across people, even those in a CEO role, that didn't necessarily grow up wanting to be in business. In, in family business. In the family right, yeah. business, right. Or in any business. They had other plans. One, one CEO told me that her original plan was to be a vet. <laughs> and that she ended up, because her father passed away, she ended up taking over the business, and she was not necessarily prepared. She needed all that development we're talking about, but it kind of was a last-minute thing as opposed to a gradual development, which she would hope for in a public company. You might have more of that. Do you see that there are more situations like that where people don't know that they're going to become that level of involved in their family business? Oh, certainly. Even in cases where people are hoping or assuming that they will want to one day run the business, you can have the untimely death of someone that propels people into leadership when they're not quite ready for that. Sometimes people grow up thinking they do not want to work in the family business, but other opportunities or life circumstances present themselves and they do go into the business. I often find that when people say, I don't want to have anything to do with my parents' business, what they really mean is they don't want to do it in the way that they see their parents doing it. But if given the opportunity, they definitely would want to help to, again, build that family legacy for not only those who are here today, but also for future generations. Then also you were talking about default family dynamics. I remember going into another situation where there were two brothers. Neither one of them would share their goals for the company. They were co-CEOs. They were co-CEOs. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been challenging. Right. And so you're talking about these default family dynamics. And I could imagine as I was sitting there that this had to be the way they were operating when they weren't dealing with business issues and that it sort of bled into how they were leading the company. Is that part of what you're talking about when you when you discuss default family dynamics? There are certainly default patterns that we all fall into. And what's often going on in the business in the context of, that you mentioned, the example, had nothing to do with the business, I venture right. to say, but was about something in the personal relationship that more right. than likely had been there for quite some time. It wasn't something that simply emerged. And this gets to the point around the complexity of family and business and then merging those two and helping families to figure out how to navigate that complexity. That is certainly a, a part of, of what it is that I do and help people to understand that the behaviors they're seeing, that while we may take it personally and see things as a personal affront, Oftentimes, people are reacting to some perceived threat, or maybe it's a real threat. More often than not, it's some perceived threat based upon something that happened some time ago. And because one of the biggest challenges we have in families in general, certainly families and businesses are no exception to this, is the ability just to talk about the difficult issues, the sensitive stuff. And so when people aren't having those conversations, they're making things up and it 
kind of exacerbates the challenge. Yeah, mom always liked you best. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. So what would you say is one of the most important principles then for leading a family business to overcome these kinds of communication issues, such as reactivity and, and that kind of thing that you talk about? So one of the most important things, I think, is for families to figure out how to have conversations when things are not going well. Everybody talks about all kinds of communication strategies. You know, you want to listen carefully. You want to reflect back. The challenge with those strategies, while they are great and very helpful, they work when things are calm. But when there is an upset, when there is an uneasiness, We physically, our biology is such that we can't access that information. Classic example, uh, I have a client who is now retired, but has managed a business that was doing almost a billion dollars, a global enterprise, very sophisticated business person. Yet when it came to a dispute between their children, They somehow forgot that there is a significant difference between managing the business day-to-day operations and owning a stock interest in the business. Now, again, very sophisticated person who clearly knows the difference between management and ownership. But when the family emotion gets brought into the picture, we are hardwired when there's some perceived threat We're hardwired to be reactive, to be anxious, and we literally can't think. It gets back to the fight, flight, freeze, appease. Our primitive brain takes over and we forget when we're running this global enterprise, there's a significant difference between ownership and management when it comes to my children's dispute. This is a good place to take another quick break. When we come back, Scott and I will speak more with Thomasina Williams, founder and principal consultant of Sankofa Legacy Advisors, about immediately useful ideas for leading to build a family business across generations while preserving relationships. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, where we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum for game-changing success. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Have you ever wondered if so many CEOs think it's important to lead for business transformation and long-term growth in a rapidly changing world, why can it be so challenging to break the orbit of the status quo? As an author and advisor to visionary CEOs who often face mysterious pushback to their big ideas, that was the question that sent me in a long search for answers. So what's the secret of the great leaders? The successful visionary leaders I call growth igniters? The ones who are able to ignite game-changing business growth over and over again? What's their secret? They're able to anticipate and embrace the hidden leadership paradoxes that can naturally emerge in uncharted territory. How do they do this? That's what I share in my keynote, Break Orbit, Achieving Long-Term Growth in a Short-Term World. Go to pamharperspeaks.com today to find out more about Pam's keynote and her availability to speak at your next leadership conference or executive retreat. 
Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Thomasina H. Williams, founder and principal consultant of Sankofa Legacy Advisors, about what's at the heart of building a lasting family legacy. Thomasina, remind us how we can find out more about you, your business, and your organizations. The easiest way to do that, Pam, is for your listeners to simply go to developfamilyleaders.com. Okay. And you can find out more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 263, and scrolling down to resources. So we are at this point in our episode where we talk about immediately useful practical ideas. And in this case, it's for leading to build a family business across generations while preserving the relationships, what it takes to really create a family business legacy. Thomasina, what's the first one? Well, the first thing I think it's important for your listeners to recognize is that the challenges that families and business tend to experience fall into three broad categories. Uh, Navigating communication when people aren't on the same page. Also, the inevitable conflict that can arise when you have family and business being mixed. And then the third piece is navigating unavoidable change. And I've created a framework to help people navigate these challenges. I call it the Connected and Capable Family Framework. The first thing is to focus on who you are individually and collectively as a family. Again, we put so much emphasis on the material assets part. We tend to take for granted and make assumptions about the family part. I encourage families to start conversations where they explore more deeply who they are as a family. First question, who is family and for what purpose? And a family maybe that does not own a business, that seems like an obvious question. But for a family that owns a significant business, that can be huge and can lead to some serious conflict. Quick example, a family I was working with where someone who was the nephew of the CEO, again, part of the larger extended family, but not the Mm -hmm. blood lineage The nephew, very bright young man who had been brought into the company, people saw great career aspirations for him. The CEO thought that this young man would be a great candidate to replace him as CEO and actually lead the business. Not so, according to other family members. He was family for the purpose of getting a job because of who he was and taking advantage of certain perks because of his relationship to the family. He was family for purposes of attending certain family events, being able to use the family plane, stay at the family compound. Mm -hmm. He was not not family, according to some family members, for purposes of leading that business. So this is, again, an example around the degree of intentionality and purposefulness that families want to have these conversations to avoid conflicts where they can. Another question to stimulate these conversations and understand more about what each family member is thinking and what they value is, What does it even mean to be a member of this family? 
That's huge when it comes to family values, family culture, how we do things. My little nephew, we were at dinner one night and his mom was explaining to uh, someone who had joined us for dinner about something that had frightened her earlier in the day. And he was, you know, he's nine. So he was sitting coloring his little coloring book they had given him. He looks over at and he says, mom, you're a Williams. We're not afraid of little things like that. And then he just went back to his coloring book, like no big deal to him. So again, I think it's important for families to start these conversations and to be doing it earlier than we otherwise might. We oftentimes think of generational transitions in a family that owns a business when it's time for them to acquire ownership interest in the business or take over the business. Well, you're cultivating them all along while they're children. You're building their values, you're building their character. So we don't wanna wait. We wanna start conversations around who we are as a family and who we are individually because it's important for people as individuals to be seen within their families. And a lot of people fall into this of thinking they need to go into the family business when their heart is not in it. Or mm-hmm. they may want to take their ownership interest, frankly, cash out and leave the family business. And families need to allow space for that so that that person can still be a valued, important member of the family. So I would say the first thing they need to do is simply start having conversations and not simply taking things for granted and assuming that we're all thinking about these issues the same. Okay. So having First a conversation step. around the dinner table yeah. almost. Yes. Would you recommend that as, as something? Absolutely. And about these non-controversial issues that will surface some things that may surprise you. Fam- learning family history is very, very important. There are studies which have been done which show that children who know more about their family history and their extended family have higher self-esteem. They do better in school in terms of their academic performance. They have fewer disciplinary problems. We think sometimes, oh, kids don't want to know that. I can't tell you how many times parents have told me that. But even adult children don't know a lot of their family history, and they're craving to know this kind of thing. It builds connections and makes them feel a part of something larger. It may surface some differences that people weren't aware were there, and you can work through those before it becomes a problem. Okay. So the first practical idea is create clarity around family values and and expectations. What's a second immediately useful idea for preserving that business legacy in the family? I think it's also important to think about how you engage with each other and the world around you. We have a tendency uh, in our society to think about things in isolation. Context is very important. So I encourage people to think about and appreciate the value of context. One of the challenges you may, people have heard the term, oh, this is an entitled child. No child comes into the world entitled. They grew up in a context and other people 
have created or contributed at least to the whatever the tendency or the dynamic is, the behavior that people may be seeing that they don't appreciate. So rather than focusing on, quote, the entitled child, let's understand the larger context in which that person grew up such that this is the current behavior. It's fascinating to me that when I come into a family, often the senior incumbent generation will say something along the lines of, well, Thomas Seed, if you can just get my young people, you know, to straighten up and fly right, everything will be great. <laughs> and then I go talk to the young people who could be as old as 40, 50s, and they will say, Thomas Seed, if you could just get my parents to back off and let me show <laughs> them what I can do. So everyone is pointing fingers at the other. And what I encourage families to do is, again, to think about the broader context and how you are actually co-creating that relationship. If the parent does something different, it will by definition change the relationship because families are actually systems. They're emotional systems interacting with each other. Right, now this goes back to your story, your family story of how your grandparents encouraged your siblings and others to work and respect the value of work and the value of being part of that business so that they didn't grow up with a sense of entitlement. You didn't grow up with a sense of entitlement. You took yourself up and, and made something of yourself, even though their business itself didn't necessarily last past that first generation. Yes, looking at the broader context and understanding legacy isn't just about the material things that we pass on. It is very much about how we view the world, how we engage in the world, and that is determined by our values. You know, there's all kinds of research that shows that how people show up at work is in large part informed by how they engage in their family of origin, how their family dealt with conflict or not how their family dealt with communication or not. So we spend more time cultivating the family side of family business. We actually have fewer challenges to navigate on the business side because people have figured out how to communicate, how to work through differences and how to navigate change. One of the ways to appreciate the value of context as it relates to a family business is to think about something referred to as the three-circle model. The three-circle model uh, looks at the fact that family businesses are actually ecosystems. The ecosystems consist of three different systems. You've got the business as one system operating in and of itself. You also have the family as a separate system operating in and of itself. And the third piece is the ownership group that is operating in and of itself. And those pieces overlap. People can pull out a, a pen and paper and diagram for themselves, where do different people fit within this puzzle? There are seven different positions in this ecosystem. And the value of doing this for your family is to understand, one, there is a role for everyone to play if you're looking at the bigger context of the ecosystem. Okay. I may not work in the business. I may not own any part of the business, but I'm a part of that family. Therefore, I'm a part of the family enterprise ecosystem. And there is a role for each 
of these systems and the overlapping pieces to play. So for example, the family system is focusing on this who you are piece and the family education. Obviously the business piece, they're focusing on managing the business. And the owner's job is to simply elect the board of directors to oversee the management of the business. This helps people to see where's my role in all of this. Right. What I'm hearing is the importance of investing in learning. Absolutely. And you've given a couple of amazing examples. And I believe that you have something that people will be able to link to so that they can apply this themselves, try it out. Absolutely. So people can go to developfamilyleaders.com backslash three hyphen circle hyphen model that they can take as a download and think about how does this framework apply to my family? Where do I fit in the larger ecosystem? And then what are the roles that family members in these different places in the ecosystem, where do they fit? And what are some of the governance processes and procedures can my family adopt to help us navigate this complexity of combining family and and business? So that's a tremendous resource. So we've started with the first idea, which is to have those conversations and get familiar with what your family history is and appreciate it, moving into learning and having these resources to really understand uh, the context of the business. The third immediately useful idea, something people could begin to do right away. Uh, This third piece is how the family thinks about the skills that they need to build related to the learning. So oftentimes a family will have their wealth advisor want to focus on financial literacy. Very important. You need to understand something about your family's finances. I think the other piece is, again, how do we deal with communication challenges, conflict and change? And that is by helping people to appreciate that everyone in the family can be a leader of themselves. Mm -hmm. And the best way to lead myself is to be able to manage myself better in any kind of conflict or upset that there is. This gets back to understanding that what is oftentimes happening is not personal, but it's really biological. And a quick uh, tip here is to think about an acronym. TIP stands for triangle. Oftentimes, When there is some kind of conflict or upset that I don't know how to talk to my brother, who's my business partner, about the situation, rather than talking to my brother, trying to figure it out, I want to go and try to enlist mom into my side. So now I have created a triangle between the three of us. If there's some sort of upset going on, the likelihood is that someone is not dealing with some underlying upset. The interesting thing about this is that it's unconscious often. We're not aware of it because we're acting instinctively to protect ourselves from perceived threat or discomfort. I go to mom not realizing the reason I'm going to mom is because I'm looking for approval and somebody to come in over to my side. And so we help people to figure out, well, what do I do if I'm the person who's uncomfortable? What do I do if I'm mom? And I recognize there's this conflict. I encourage, mom would encourage me 
to sit down and have the conversation with my brother. Mom might coach me through when to do that, what to say, how to say it, but we're looking for patterns that are repeating when we're uncomfortable about dealing with some sort of discomfort. That's the T. Then the I is, what is my role? Again, when I I mentioned how when I come into a family, the parents will say, Thomasina, just get those young people into shape. And I go talk to the young people and they'll say, Thomasina, just get my parents to back off and let me show what I can do. The question I always ask is, what is it that you can do? Since you can't control other people, and because the family is a system, because you're co-creating whatever the dynamic is, if I change my behavior with my brother, the dynamic, the relationship itself will change. Control what you can control, and that is yourself. If you can be the person who initiates Work through that discomfort. You mentioned, uh, Pam, talking about why people want to stick with the status quo. It's because of Mm -hmm. the discomfort of something new. And as you said, leaders, the most successful leaders are the ones who work through that discomfort and get to the other side. And so thinking about myself, I is the second part of it. And the P is simply pause. We would avoid a lot of conflict if we could simply just pause for a second, bite our tongue when we want to snap back at someone or pause and reflect before making an important decision. So that is the tip for how one can lower their own discomfort in difficult situations as a way of increasing their leadership and getting to a place where the family can then have these conversations about who is family for what purpose. They can then think about what is it that we want to learn together as a family? And then what do we do with what we learn? So we're at the end of our episode here. You have offered us a wealth of resources and insights. Can you share with us a final thought about what you see is at the heart of leading a family business to build a lasting legacy? Yes, I encourage people to remember to invest in cultivating your family and your family relationships as much as you invest in building your business. Bring that same degree of intentionality because remember, legacy is going to continue after you. That means we have to be building the individual and collective relationships for those who we expect to continue that legacy. Invest in your family like you invest in your business. I like that. Thank you, Thomasina, for joining us for Growth Igniters Radio. Thank you again for having me, Pam and Scott. It's been a pleasure, Thomasina. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To contact us, get show notes and resource links like the three-circle diagram that Thomasina mentioned, Go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 263. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with these questions to consider. What are the strengths of our family and how can we continue to develop ourselves to build a lasting business legacy? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper 
are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.